0: Um, on part three, week three, however you want to call it, of this very short series on um, some of the, the names of Jehovah. And so Bill started us off a couple of weeks ago with Jehovah Rapha. Do you remember who Jehovah Rapha is? The God who heals, restores, fixes broken things. And then last week, Tom was Jehovah Nissi. Who's Nissi? Yeah, our banner. He's our banner, the one who saves. I've got an easy one today. I've got Jira. Now, some of you of a certain age will remember a song called Jehovah Jira, but we won't sing it. Um, Yeah, I know, I know. It's disappointing. Um, Why don't we pray, even before we read the word? Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. You are such a good, good father. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are healer. You are the one who fixes broken things. You are the one whose banner we can come under, whose name can be written on our hearts. You are provider. Lord, the one who, whether we're even conscious of it or not, is the one who holds everything together. And so we just come before you and pray, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, that you would help us to understand. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen. Now, uh, because the person who was speaking this morning might not have given the tech guys enough time to stick um, the uh, the Bible verse up. If you've got a Bible, uh, it's on page 22. We're just going to read from Genesis 22, and I'm going to read from eight, verse 8 to verse 14. Now this is this is kind of in the middle of a section that you're probably quite familiar with and that's about Abraham and his son Isaac and I just want to as I say let's just pick it up at verse 8 Abraham answered God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering my son and the two of them went on together when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord... Now you'll remember, if you've sat under any of Tom's teaching, who the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament... Jesus Then the angel of but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven Abraham Abraham. Here I am he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. Then Abraham looked up And there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mean, there are, well, if you're anything like me, there are some accounts in Scripture that I just go, wow, would I be able to do what was being asked to be done? Do you ever think that? I think that. This is what, I have to say this is right up there. See, when we know the end from the beginning, it's very easy to be filled with faith, isn't it? But in that moment, not so easy. If I was up there on that mountainside, if I was standing on the shores of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army thundering down on me, if I was facing a fiery furnace or a lion's den if I was standing before the cross as the one I'd put all my hope in breathed his last would it be so easy to be filled with faith Maybe we can relate more to the John who denies Jesus three times than we can to the Stephen who, when his moment came, looked up and saw the glory of the Lord. It's the reality, isn't it? It's just the reality. Thank God we know the end from the beginning. So this morning is all about... Jehovah Jireh the God who provides and I want to I want to maybe do something a little bit different surprise I just want to look at two things I want to look at the principle that God is Jireh the one who provides and I want to look at the practice how do we work that out how do we live that now it goes without saying God provides all that we have physically. But particularly I want to focus on what God has provided physically that is of spiritual benefit to us and not just physical benefit. So basic principle and practice. Now, I don't know whether you, uh, you feel this way, but I particularly feel that biblical principles, on the whole, are very simple. Yeah? But, biblical principles put into practice are not so simple. So if I said to you, I'll give you a biblical principle, <clears throat> and See if you can can understand what the principle is, right? The biblical principle is turn the other cheek. Is there anyone who can confuse what that means? So it's simple. Is it easy? Pray for those who persecute you. It's simple, but is it easy? I liken it a little bit to um, driving a car. Now, I don't want to be ageist here, but most of us here have probably learnt to drive a car. <clears throat> and when you first are confronted with what you have to do, you think, oh, all right, i, I push that in to change gear, I've got this that changes gear, I've got this other thing that makes it go fast, and I've got this thing that makes it stop, and then I've got this thing that I can point at stuff. That's basically driving a car, isn't it? It's simple. How'd you get on when you first get in there? Isn't that a bit like life? This is, this, this is full of principles that on the surface are incredibly Simple. But when I get behind the wheel, not so. So, using this passage in Genesis 22, I want to give you the principle, what I think is the principle, because I think God uses these few verses. It's amazing, isn't it? God doesn't need 25 minutes. To tell us the most important stuff. He says it in a few words. First of all, God spoke. Right? Then in verse eight, Abraham answered. Right? God spoke, Abraham answered. Then in verse nine, Abraham went on to act upon what God had said. So it's not only that Abraham believed God, Abraham then did something about it. He went on to act. And a result, as a result of Abraham acting, in verse 13, he saw God provide. And as a reminder of God's provision... In verse 14, Abraham names the place. Yeah? Names the mountain the Lord will provide. So, here it is. Believe, act, witness, and acknowledge. That's the principle of living in God's provision, as I see it in the Old Testament. Believe, act, witness, acknowledge. Is that simple? Hopefully it's simple. But what does it mean in practice? Well, let's just spend a few minutes. We've done the theory test. Now, it's the practical exam. God's provision, what does it mean for you and for me today? The way I like to think about this is is God, God always encompasses the past, the present, and the future. And so for us, there are three things that God has done that will ensure that your past, your present, and your future is dealt with so that you can live under God's provision. The first is this. If I, if I said to you, what, what has God provided for you, I wonder what would be top, at your, top of your list. Top of my list is salvation. God has provided a way that my past can be dealt with so that that past can no longer hold me back. It can no longer be a hurdle so that I can't go anywhere. It's no longer anything that will condemn me to a life of not being able to move on from my past. Whatever your past and my past held, whatever you did, whatever was done to you, we do not have to hold on to it in our present. It's interesting, the Bible uses, a, uses a, a really technical word where it comes to people's pasts. Now, I could give you the Greek, but I won't. I'll stick to English. The word is, you ready? Lost. We were lost. That's how our past is summed up. We were lost. Lost in our past lost in condemnation, lost in f- things that didn't go well. I don't know what age you were when you came to the Lord. Um, some of you probably were quite young. Some of us probably in the last few years kind of thing. Whatever happened prior to meeting Jesus is going to shape your worldview. It's going to shape how you think about things. It's going to shape how you face the challenges that we face. And if that, whatever that time was, was spent outside of God's view, you, I don't want to say this, I I don't want anyone to think I'm being disrespectful here, but I want to say this very, very gently, but cleanly or clearly, rather, and cleanly, obviously, Um, whatever that time spent outside of God's view of you eternally was a waste of time. And it wasn't helpful because that was a time we were lost. And so for me, the greatest provision of God is salvation. Salvation. Dealing with the past. Right up there behind salvation is the second provision of God that He offers, and that is adoption. I was lost, I am now found, I am adopted, I am part of His family. Do you remember Jesus once um, asked his disciples, who do you say I am? I wonder if you've ever asked God, who am I in you? Have you ever done that? You should do it. And you know what? He'll answer you. He'll answer you through his word. Just some of the things he says that I am in him, right? I was lost, but now I'm found. I like this one. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what he says about those who are found. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So when the worldview says to you, well, I'm not fearfully and wonderfully made... Because I'm not this and I'm not that and I haven't got this and I haven't got that and I can't do this and I can't do that. Don't listen. Listen to who God says you are. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I didn't tell the guys we were going to do this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone... Notice the inclusivity of that. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Isn't that awesome? I'm a new creation. Not only am I fearfully and wonderfully made, but I'm a new creation. Not only are you fearfully and wonderfully made, you're a new creation. Listen, if this is what God says in his word you are, if you ever have a moment where you don't think one of those three things, right, that you don't think you're fearfully, wonderfully made, and a new creation, if you have a moment where you do not think that, but God has said it, where's it coming from? It's not coming from God, because this is what God said. This is his provision. His provision is not that I'd walk around haughty and proud and full of myself. It's that I'd walk around and go, I was lost, but Jesus found me. And as he found me, I am now a new creation. And live in that new creation. Remember the principle. The principle was to believe and then act. Often we can make an intellectual decision to believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died on the cross, right? So we become a believer. We believe that. But too often we forget to actually act upon it. And we say, do you know what? My worldview that I developed over years of living outside of God's love, listening to friends and family and everything else, that worldview... I am now replacing with God's view of who I am. God's view of how I should live my life. God's view of how I can navigate my way through all that's going on. Okay, third thing, third area. So past is being dealt with at the cross. Present through adoption. Future through indwelling. Not only has God found me, not only has he adopted me, he has said to me that never again, because of his provision, never again will I for one nanosecond be alone. Because he... Through his mercy and his grace, not through my own effort or my own understanding, he said, I have placed within you the promised Holy Spirit, and he will be the one that guides you. Provision of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I don't have to do anything special. in my own effort. In fact, there's nothing, there's nothing that God has given me and will give you that can be achieved through our own effort. Is it? He doesn't keep track of how many times we come to church or how much money we give. He's not asking me or you or any of us to do anything In our own strength again, because we can't do it in our own strength. Go back to where we started, turn the other cheek. You can't do that in your own strength. I can't do it in my own strength. But in Him, we can do all things. Isn't that an amazing thing? His provision. So often when we think about his provision we think, oh, you know, he gives me a job he gives me a car parking space when I'm going into South End he gives me whatever and I'm not saying God doesn't give those practical, physical things but when we understand that these three things salvation, adoption and indwelling are eternal because there's a there's a, there's a reality here that sometimes, and I'm not saying you do this, I'm applying it to myself. There are some times that I can fall into the trap of thinking that God is more genie than he is gyra. Does that sound terrible? That I'm confessing that. Oh, God, I need your help. Rather than, God, you are my help. You are my salvation. Let me wrap it up. The question I ask myself, and I really encourage you to ask yourself, and it's tough, is do I... Consistently, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yes. So, His provision is consistent. Do I consistently, in spite of my worldview that I developed when I was lost and probably held on to when I was saved, in spite of that, do I believe, do I act? Do I witness and do I acknowledge God's provision in every way in my life? The way I like to think about it is this. Jehovah Jireh has provided, but it's up to me to practice. God said, I have come that you may be free. So I have to live in freedom, don't I? God said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So I have to live as someone who's fearfully and wonderfully made. God said, your chains are gone. I've dealt with it. No more will a prison hold you. And so, in one sense, the saddest thing in the world is to see someone who's a believer who's in some prison, is it not? Some prison of either their own or someone else's making. He is Jairah, the God who provides. Let's pray.